Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. A big move for Baltimore's future. The region just designated a tech hub by the federal government. For the past two and a half years, Upsurge Baltimore has been working to create the first Equitech city in the country. Corey Bailey has been at the forefront of that work, building community and connectivity amongst Baltimore's innovators. Corey Bailey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be on. First, I want to sort of delve in. Upsurge is a really unique organization founded about two years ago. Talk to me a little bit about where the seeds of the idea for Upsurge Baltimore started. Yeah, so Upsurge began about two and a half years ago now from the brain trust of a group of local corporate partners, philanthropic partners who saw all the unique assets that Baltimore had in the tech space. Um, that were doing good work on their own, but needed sort of a convener, a collaborator, someone who could bring a lot of those assets together under one umbrella in service of really growing the number of high growth tech companies in Baltimore. And so our founding group really consisted of Brown Advisory and their CEO, Mike Hankin, um, Johns Hopkins Tech Ventures, uh, Christy Weiskel, who was the leader over there. And Rylan Sumner, who is the president of Pointfield Partners, which is the family office of Steve Bashadi. Obviously, he's the owner of the Ravens. And so they, they started talking about different assets that were missing potentially from the Baltimore tech ecosystem or ways in which they could bring a lot of the activity and energy in the space together. And so the concept of upsurge was formed there. And then when they brought in Damian McDonald, who is our current and outgoing CEO, to really take on the mission of building Upsurge, you know, she sort of coined the term Equitech. If we're going to do this, we should do it in a way that really represents Baltimore and that allows for us to grow our tech economy in a way a little bit differently than the Tech City 1.0s like San Francisco and Seattle did, or even the way that cities like Austin and Boston have grown where they put a lot of energy and effort into it, but haven't really thought about inclusivity, about belonging, and about opportunities for the citizens of those cities to participate in the tech space. So we always say that at Upsurge, we are 100% laser focused on building a top tier tech city, but we also want to be the first Equitech city in the country and world. Since you guys sort of coined that Equitech City term, have you seen it start spreading other places and has the idea grown in the past two and a half years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's such a provocative word that people associate with it in a way that it makes sense to them. They question it. They toil over it. It's a really unique way to describe our aspirations and the culture that we're trying to build in Baltimore of belonging in the tech space a good indicator that it is a term that really is appealing to a lot of folks is, you know, we've had folks from the region really reach out about wanting to be participating in more Equitech focused activities and, and collaborations. We participated in South by Southwest earlier this year at one of the, the first events of the weekend, the Equitech Breakfast. We collaborated with folks down there at Div Inc., um, with All Rays, Village Capital. 
uh, to stand up this Equitech breakfast. And we had a completely oversubscribed event. Over 300 people attended from across the country and other parts of the world. And we're really excited about the opportunity to connect the dots for um, inclusive entrepreneurship, for diverse teams building phenomenal tech companies. So there really is a lot of energy and, and activity and focus in a lot of different places around Equitech-focused culture building and Equitech aspirations. And so this was a place that we were able to all meet and sort of align around that vision. And this will be announced this week, so I think it's okay to share with you, but we were awarded a phase two award grant for the Growth Accelerator Fund with SBA. And part of that will be sort of building a coalition of Equitech-aligned organizations that we can leverage resources, assets, and really connect the dots between some of our different ecosystems with Equitech-focused activities. Congratulations. That's great news. Thank you. What does that mean for the work that you guys will be doing going forward? That seems like a huge project. Yeah. So in terms of our work, we are really starting to recognize the value of the ecosystem building work that we've been doing, not just in Baltimore, but in the region and some of the relationships that we've developed nationally as well. And so what this will do is give us an opportunity to meet regularly with those partners that are partners with us on that grant to talk about how we can really scale opportunities for founders, for diverse-led companies, and just for sort of educating more of our corporate partners, more of our government leaders around the activity that's happening across the country in inclusive entrepreneurship and building diverse teams and sort of the force multiplier that that is. We often sort of steal the words of our governor and say that it, it's a false choice to think that we can build a thriving economic engine and an equitable one. We can absolutely do both. And I think that the work that we can do in partnership with others regionally and nationally will help us do that. You alluded to it earlier. There are some leadership changes coming to upsurge in the upcoming year. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what that looks like and the impact on the organization. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been fortunate to have the leadership of Jamie McDonald in our first two and a half for her three years in building the foundation of upsurge and the foundation of Equitech as we aspire to become. And so we've benefited from her years of experience, from her network, and just for her knowledge and passion for the city of Baltimore. She won't be, you know, going anywhere in terms of being able to dig in with founders. She's going to become an, an EIR for some of our programming and really being able to engage with some of our best founders as they build their companies. But it, it really gives us an opportunity to get new leadership. We're going through a process. There are going to be some strong internal and external candidates, myself being one of them. I'm, I'm excited to go through that process. Mm -hmm. And so we see this as an opportunity to really build on the foundation that Jamie has built, have a vision for where we can scale the work in the future and really build some momentum on the foundation that she's built. And so myself, our current COO, Maddie Stokes, and our team are committed to the work. We're looking for to continue to gain a lot of smart and, and talented folks to add to the team, either as CEO or otherwise, and just continue the progress that we've made over the first two and a half years. The Free To Be More podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Stop paying to download eBooks. The Pratt Library has all the best sellers and more in its e-library, totally free. Get your Pratt Library card today at prattlibrary.org.
I want to take a step back a little bit and talk about your background. Um, you're originally from North Carolina. You played football professionally. So how do you go from there to here? Oh, man, that is uh, <laughs> a long and interesting story. I mean, I, I, I can go back even further than that. Uh-huh. I was sharing with someone earlier, um, Rim Jim Kendall is our new program manager. And what I told her is that I had two really unique passions as a young person. One was sports and love to be outside and love to be a member of a team and participating in sports. And the other thing was technology. I mean, I'm born in 1979, so telling my age a little bit, but grew up in the last sort of analog generation where we got outside and played with things and built things with our hands. But as we were growing up, all of these new technologies started falling in our laps. You know, first it was gaming systems and then it was landline computers and modems connected to the internet and then it was laptops and all the 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 different applications and cell phones and things that that we see as people even younger than us have in their Mm -hmm. hands today and so i've always been connected to tech i never really saw a future for myself as a young person in technology and so i naturally went the sports route i mean i was a an honor student but you know at the age of 15, when my sister went off to college and all the money that my parents had saved to send us both to college was going to go to her, my dad came to me and said, son, I need you to get a scholarship. And I never once thought about an academic scholarship in my brain that meant I need to pick a sport, get a scholarship and, and help my dad pay for my education. And so, mm-hmm. you know, to bring it full circle, it really excites me at the opportunity to create an environment in Baltimore where young people can look up to people that are in the tech space. And listen, I'm, I'm not a technologist. I couldn't code if my life depended on it. Uh, I couldn't create a widget. I don't even know what the widget would look like, but I've been in the tech space now for 10 years and have been able to create a life for myself and a future for my family that looks and feels a lot like it would if you were a doctor, lawyer, or a ball player. So we really do want to give folks in Baltimore and beyond the opportunity to see representation, people that look like them in the tech space so they can build the type of life that they want to. And so honestly, being in team sports, being a member of a team and sort of building my career from that point now through the ecosystem building the work that that I've done has been a great sort of way to prepare me for, uh, I think, what we're trying to do, which is bring people together around a common goal and make some transformational things happen. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about the passions of young people. I know your uh, probably number one job is a dad. So what kind of difference are you hoping that you're able to make in the city of Baltimore so that your sons can look up and say, this is possible. This is what I want to do. And how do you play off those passions for their future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the easiest way to explain that is by saying that 80% of wealth creation that happens in our country right now happens in the tech space. And if we don't have a plan to engage young people in the workforce of the future and the opportunities to create wealth in the future and not just be a part of it, but to have ownership in it, to be founders, to be operators, to be consultants or your own business person, like we need to give them clear pathways and clear opportunities to engage in that and the younger, the better. You know, I'm astounded, you know, at organizations like B360 and mm-hmm. some of the work that the Baltimore Digital Equity Coalition is doing to make sure people have access to broadband internet. And uh, I just think it's 
all of these efforts when combined and aligned and when people are aware of them and collaborating around them give us an opportunity to get young people involved in the opportunities of the future, which I see being in the tech space. And so it's not just an interesting sector or career opportunity for me. It's imperative for me as a dad to expose my kids to it and all of their friends and then all of the young people in Baltimore to uh, the possibility of being able to participate in this activity if they so choose. What is it about Baltimore that makes this city sort of uniquely positioned to become the first Equitech city nationally? What are some of the assets that Baltimore has going for it to become something like that in the future? Yeah, first and foremost, it's the people that are here, that move here, that are from here. I always tell people that there's a certain gravity to Baltimore, and I think a lot of it has to do you know, with where it's located, its role in the history of our country and the opportunity that it has to be a model for the future of our company. Baltimore has all of the assets needed to be a top economic city and a top tier tech city. It's perfectly positioned on the East Coast, the last affordable city, in my opinion, on the East Coast. <laughs> it's a port city. It's got a great international airport, proximity to the federal government the Amtrak line, the I-95 corridor, you could not ask for a better location geographically for Baltimore. And then you've got the history of the city. It's a city of firsts in many good ways and, and in a lot of bad ways, but it is um, a perfect microcosm of this country in terms of the challenges that we've faced, the systemic sort of problems that have been self-inflicted, and then in terms of the opportunities we have to come out of that and to really create more opportunities for people. So I, I think that between universities, between you know the federal government, between the unique relationship between Baltimore City and Baltimore County, like we could talk to, for days about like all the different ways in which Baltimore is unique. But the ways I like to talk about it are the assets exist here, the people are hungry here for positive change, and a lot of really cool organizations, institutions, and people are starting to align around the opportunities that exist in Baltimore. So I, I always say it's a really exciting time from a state level, regional level, and city level for us to do some, some transformational things in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You touched on um, the anchor institutions. We have so many universities, so many medical centers, the world-class library. I'll just sneak that one in. Um, <laughs> but how is Upsurge Baltimore able to kind of leverage those relationships and connect entrepreneurs with some of these anchor institutions that can help in the tech sphere? That's a great question. And I'll say it starts with really anchoring our learning in what founders are experiencing. We're in constant learning mode with the founders that are building in our city. We wanna understand what's unique to their sector, whether it's makers and builders in the manufacturing space, whether it's our science-based entrepreneurs that are coming out of University of Maryland and Johns Hopkins, um, or if it's our social entrepreneurs that are trying to scale their businesses utilizing tech. Um, we have to be in constant conversation, communication, and learning with those founders. And we also have to be creating more awareness and more connectivity with our corporate and institutional partners, with our government leaders. So it is a lot of stakeholder management. A ton of what we do is understanding the needs of founders, the desires of economic development in the region, what assets and opportunities exist with our corporate and university partners, 
and then how to connect and convene um, and create forums for a lot of those different stakeholders to meet, understand each other, and then assist each other in that growth. Everybody's going to be looking at the same opportunity from different perspectives. Our role is to make sure that those different perspectives are, are understood across stakeholder groups and that there's a shared goal on the opposite end of that. And so, you know, you mentioned the Pratt Library is a great sort of connecting point for workforce development, for education, for mm-hmm. the community. And we see opportunities for that with our corporate partners, our university partners as well. And there's been more of a willingness to open up those spaces, open up those forums, open up those discussions to include more people, more stakeholders and more voices. And the more that we do that and bring those different stakeholder groups together in smart ways, the better we'll all be for it. Do you really look at Upsurge and your role at Upsurge as sort of a connector? Because it seems like we have a lot of the pieces here in Baltimore, and we just need those pieces to connect with each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a couple of different analogies that we use. You know, one is sort of the gardener that is tending to the fertile soil of the ecosystem so that tall flowers can grow, so that produce can be made, and so that everybody is left feeling fulfilled and fed, right? The other analogy that we use a little bit is as a conductor, how do we take all of these different places and spaces and institutions that are playing their music beautifully solo and then get them to play in harmony with one another to produce something really beautiful. And so it's a little bit of art, a little bit of science, but we definitely see our role as a convener, as a connector, and really trying to increase participation across the tech ecosystem and then bring that participation into closer proximity between those networks. And so it's it's challenging, it's exciting, and it's really, I think, a testament to a lot of different institutions and organizations that see the need for that connectivity um, from our supporter base. Mm-hmm. And one of the nicknames in Baltimore is, of course, Smaltimore. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that as a connector? I always say, like, start naming people, and within five people, I probably know one of them. <laughs> do you yeah. find that as you're trying to connect people? Yeah, and it's something I really love and I, and I think is a real opportunity for Baltimore. I mean, most of the founders that have participated in our Techstars Equitech Accelerator that have come from different places, they quickly pick up on that, right? <laughs> I, I always say that Baltimore is a one phone call town. Like typically, if you've been here for a while, you can pick up the phone and reach out to somebody and say, I'm really trying to get connected to this person. And they'll say, okay, I'll make one phone call. And it'll happen. And I, I think that's a real strength for Baltimore is the lowest degree of separation possible for getting to the opportunities that you want to get to. And I'll say this, I think people generally in Baltimore really like each other too. Whether you're from here, whether you've moved here and sort of now call Baltimore home, you definitely get that question, like, where'd you go to school? There's more of like a, if you grew up in Baltimore bias than there is if you moved here and are really about doing something positive. But I really generally think that people that are here and that are about doing something positive for the city, people really like each other and and want to be helpful to one another. And so uh, I think that's an advantage that we have. I've once been quoted as saying like, you know, New York is about money and LA is about fame and DC is about power. Then what is Baltimore about? I say Baltimore is about love. And I really mean that people really want the best for each other here in ways that I haven't experienced in other places. And so the small tour thing is real and the, the definitely the one phone call town thing is real as well. Get connected at the Pratt Library. Check out a hotspot and laptop. 
or see if you qualify for a free Chromebook to keep through the distribution program. Visit any Pratt Library branch to access the free Wi-Fi inside and outside. You're free to be more at the Pratt. Yeah, I, I've also, like you, moved around to a bunch of different places. Um, I've been in Baltimore for about 10 years now, but it is remarkable to see, like, what's the first question you ask when you meet somebody? And, you know, in D.C., it was always, what do you do? And here in Baltimore, I've had friends for years and years, and people are like, oh, what does that person do? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I just like them. Like, I have no, it's just not the first thing. It, it is just a different vibe here. It's very hard to explain. Yeah, there's a gravity about this place. And I think it's because of that feeling of welcome. And mm -hmm. it's not about what you do. It's about who you are as a person. That's our that the first qualifier. And then what you do um, is, is secondary to that. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that founders here in Baltimore are facing to really get their footing or even just to stay here in Baltimore once they do get their footing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll answer it in two ways. I think one, you know, just the landscape of capital and, and funding that exists in Maryland it's, and just in the in the VC environment right now at large across the country, it's very slow. It's very conservative. If you ask me, now is the time to be in venture. So for any of those young, aspiring angel investors or fund managers, if you're getting into the space, I think it's an exciting time to get in. Um, especially if you have a, a wider lens of who you're looking at to invest in. But access to capital is always a challenge for early stage founders and even more so for women, people of color, um, our LGBTQ founders, people who identify, you know, in the 74% the of our population that only gets less than 5% of venture funding, uh -huh. um, always a struggle to get access to capital. So um, that story hasn't changed. I think the other thing that's really interesting right now is the landscape for how you build a team, how you enter the global marketplace has changed a lot since the pandemic. How you hire, where you can find talent, how you can build teams, where you decide to locate your headquarters or anchor. So there's a lot of different, I call them opportunities to navigate if you're an early stage founder. And then once you've been able to, to prove product market fit, the opportunity to scale your business is there, but a lot of times you need that runway and that funding to be able to do it. So, and then for our underrepresented and what we like to call underestimated founders, you know, just some of the systemic and societal norms that have been put into place around what a good founder looks like, what a what a reasonable expected time for a return on investment in, in the high growth tech space looks like. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do to do a little bit of culture change around where people are looking for opportunities, what sectors should people be excited and interested about, what are those convergence of technologies that are happening that can help grow and scale, you know, big business companies, but also have some positive societal change. And so we see that as an opportunity in Baltimore, especially with this Equitech aspiration um, and culture that we're trying to build is to build world-class companies that also are led by talented and diverse individuals and teams um, and that want to create some positive societal change as well. We, we do think there can be a triple bottom line and we're pretty bullish on that. 
What needs to happen in like partnerships with local governments to make Baltimore a city that is desirable for these growing companies? I know our transit system could use some help. There's a lot of things in Baltimore that could be improved at the legislative level that could help us at the economic level. And how are you guys working across those lines with government agencies and with leaders? Yeah, that's a great question and a great observation. And, and I think the thing that surprised me the most about this year in particular is how much we are being pulled into those conversations around policy and advocacy for not just Baltimore tech, but tech across the state of Maryland. Once you have a perspective or a lens that is pretty wide ranging, then it's important to be involved in those conversations. And so I know last legislative session, um, Troy Stovall, who's our, one of our board members, the CEO of TEDCO, um, was heavily involved in the Maryland Equitech Fund bill that was passed, some of the cybersecurity training bills that were passed. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that coming in this legislative session, not just on how to uh, start to apply and, and execute some of those funding opportunities, but what can we do to really accelerate growth um, in different sectors and for you know, different sets of economic activities and entrepreneurs that are building things across the state of Maryland. I think it starts with our governor and the team that he's assembled at the state level. Um, I think you've seen a reemerge and re-energized GBC um, with Mark Anthony Thomas and his leadership. We really partnered with them as they led the Tech Hubs award program that the EDA recently um, submitted. And so a lot of that, those conversations are ongoing now. And I'm, I'm really excited about being involved in a lot more of those advocacy issues for our founders and the policy that, that the state will be able to introduce to really accelerate growth. And it's a spectrum. It's a continuum. It starts with, like I said, that um, Baltimore Digital Equity Coalition and, and broadband access. It starts with transportation and being able to get people to and from those opportunities. It scales into STEM and, and our education system and goes all the way through workforce development, career pathways, and into opportunities for entrepreneurship. So it really is looking at the full spectrum of things that need to happen for people to be participants in this space. One of the things you guys host is Equitech Tuesdays. So tell me a little bit about that and who are the type of people that can come to that and benefit from it? Yeah, Equitech Tuesday actually will host the 117th Equitech Tuesday tonight. We are welcoming the JP Morgan Techstars DC Accelerator participants, 24 um, founders and co-founders that, that have ridden the train up from DC to participate in a Baltimore tech ecosystem. Huh. So um, it's really exciting opportunity for us to convene all of this, the different stakeholders that touch our tech sector. Um, very founder focused. So a lot of founders of tech companies and, and CPG scale companies, you'll find there a lot of investors, university partners, our entrepreneur support organization partners, a lot of tech talent, folks that are, are either in university or coming out of university that are working as operators in tech companies or aspiring tech operators and companies. And then we do a lot of partnerships. You know, we partner with the BSO recently when they did their AI and a minor event. Um, we've partnered with Johns Hopkins Carey Business School to introduce a lot of their students into some of the activities that are happening across the tech ecosystem. We'll have a, an upcoming partnership with the Demon School at University of Maryland and Morgan State during Morgan State's homecoming to introduce uh -huh. some of the ecosystem activities to their alumni and students. And then another 
partnership with Baltimore Digital Equity Coalition in October as well. So it's been a really great way for us to elevate some of those partnerships, promote some of the work that they're doing. And then, like I said, increase participation across the ecosystem for our innovation economy. And the fun part about it is because it is a lot of disruptors, because it is a lot of creative thinkers, a lot of fringe thinkers, we've got a lot of people from our creative community that come as well. So the Kondwani Fidels and the Deep Watkins and Devin Allens, the folks that are creating slip speeds at Under Armour and, you know, selling their artwork um, across the, the Baltimore region like to come and hear from other disruptors and French thinkers as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds very collaborative. <laughs> very much so. And it's just an energy. You know, we talked about the different energy that exists in Baltimore. And I think anyone who is really bullish on Baltimore, bullish on changing the narrative of the city and, and bullish on being a part of the, the positive change that is happening here, what our mayor likes to call Baltimore's new renaissance, you know, mm-hmm. I think likes to be in, in that flow of activity and you're likely to see them every Tuesday at Gilbert Hall Brewery from 6 to 8 p.m. Over the past two and a half years that Upsurge Baltimore has been in existence, what are some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of? Yeah, I mean, I would say bringing an intentional focus to the Equitech culture, the Equitech aspiration, first and foremost, that we can build a top-tier tech city and an equitable one. It's not a choice. It's an imperative. It's a responsibility. Equitech Tuesday is a great example of that, how we increase awareness and participation across the ecosystem. Um, Bringing Techstars as a partner into Baltimore, we now have two distinct programs that Techstars partners with us on with the Equitech Accelerator and Stanley Black & Decker um, sponsors a founder catalyst program, which is for diverse founders that are with earlier stage companies in the concept to MVP stage. And the focus that we're bringing, I think, from the region on Baltimore as an important anchor for the entire DMV region. I'd also say some of the work that we've done with connecting founders to capital, even though that needs to happen even more so, um, we've been able to really create uh, more positive connecting points between our investment community and founders. While GBC was sort of in, in flux, bringing the corporate community into the conversation and the need to engage with our innovation community, and now with a re-energized GBC, being able to partner with them to continue that work. We've got some unique opportunities that exist right now. We just hosted the very first Afrotech event in Baltimore. Afrotech is the largest conference for Black tech in the world right now. And right now it's very talent focused. Um, We're also in the final stages and a finalist for the bid to host Black Tech Week next year and beyond. And so that's happened in partnership and collaboration with Fearless and the Maryland Tech Ecosystem. We have really done a good job of engaging the community. One of the earliest successes we had was something that we called Upsurge Teams, 210 members of our tech ecosystem that touched different sectors and different parts of our work. It was a really collaborative learning effort from everyone that was currently involved in different aspects of the tech community to surface some priorities that we have for our ecosystem, uh, short-term goals, systems change efforts, and then some moonshot ideas. Um, that's something that I would, I would really love to see happen again as we think about, reflect on the last two and a half years and maybe moving into a, a, another year as to how, we, how do we create that excitement and collaboration in the ecosystem again. 
And I'm really looking forward to re-engaging a lot of our Pathways partners as well. We did a lot of early work with Code in the Schools and Digital Harbor Foundation and and some of the organizations that are really focused on our our youth and connecting more young people to opportunities in tech. And so I think as excited as I am about some of the things that we have accomplished in the first two and a half years, I'm even more excited about the opportunities to continue scaling that work for the next two and a half plus years. If the momentum of Upsurge Baltimore continues and you keep building on this, what is your dream for what Baltimore looks like when your sons are our age? That's a phenomenal question. (laughs) You know, I really think that Baltimore has an opportunity to be a city. You know, we've got over five or six billion dollars worth of development happening right now from South Baltimore through the Inner Harbor to East and West Baltimore. I really do think Baltimore can be one of the first major cities, if not the first major city in America that has a thriving economy that everyone gets to be a part of, where neighborhoods are being developed, where people want to stay in them and help them grow. You know, gentrification is such a loaded term and I always tell people it's only a bad thing if the people that live there now don't have an opportunity to participate in that development and in that growth. So if we're scaling opportunities for people in the tech space as those neighborhoods are being developed, you know, similar to what Bree Jones is doing with the revitalization of her blocks with parity and what others are trying to do with equitable development across Baltimore, I really do think we could be the most diverse and welcoming city and, you know, truly live up to that moniker of Charm City or the greatest city in America if we can do this right. And by the time my kids are my age, that would be, gosh, 30, about 30 years from now. And, and I, think it's, I think it's a real possibility to see people thriving in a city that live amongst each other, that live with each other, that enjoy each other's company and live with each other and participate in a culture where everyone is welcomed and that history and culture of Baltimore is still there and ever present. Corey Bailey, thank you so much for your time today. Megan, thanks for having me. Starting a small business? Check out the Pratt Library's Business, Science, and Technology Department at the Central Library for free access to resources and workforce specialists. Let the Pratt help you take your hustle to the next level. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow The Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another free-to-be-more conversation. Thanks for listening.